Welcome to the Perfect Puzzle. We are in the book of Zephaniah. Uh, we're actually in chapter 1. And we're going to start with a word of prayer today as we ask the Lord to join our study. Father, we thank you as always for the opportunity to study your word. Lord, we ask you to open our hearts, mind, soul, and spirit to the words you have to tell us, to the teaching you have to give us, Lord. Help us to to come to a more perfect understanding of you, the work of your Son, and the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives and throughout the world today. Father, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay. Last time in the book of Zephaniah, we got all the way down to verse 8 of chapter 1. Today, so we'll pick it up here uh, at verse 9. In the same day also, Will I punish all those that leap on the threshold, which fill their master's houses with violence and deceit. Now, what's being referred to here is the zeal with which the servants of the rich rush from their homes to plunder the property of others to enrich their masters. You know, these were people who would take over the land and the homes of the poor. And what happened and what's going on is the middle class disappeared. So you only had the extreme rich and the extreme poor. You can see the same thing happening in our country, in the United States today. God says to these people, he's going to judge them for doing this. Verse 10, It shall come to pass in that day, says the Lord, that there will be the noise of a cry from the fish gate, and a howling from the second, and a great crashing from the hills. You know, in that day clearly is a reference to the day of the Lord. Then he goes on, Then then there shall be the noise of a cry from the fish gate. Now the fish gate, if you didn't know that, is known today in Jerusalem as the Damascus gate. That's the gate that they brought the fish from the Sea of Galilee and the Jordan River. It's on the north side of the city of Jerusalem. And then Zephaniah adds in a howling from the, from the second and a great crashing from the hills. You know, if you go to Jerusalem, you're going to find the Damascus Gate or the Fish Gate is, you know, kind of down in a rather low place. And Jerusalem is surrounded by hills. What Zephaniah is saying here is that any direction you want to move, there will be a wailing of the people when the time of judgment comes. Verse 11. Howl, ye inhabitants of Maktesh, for all the merchant people are cut down, all they that bear silver are cut off. Maktesh means mortar, M-O-R-T-A-R. It's the valley alongside the temple where the wailing wall is today. It was a primary place of business within the city. So this verse is talking about the working class. While the upper class is being indicted for being too material and the lower class for being too sinful, The working class is singled out as being too vocational. They're more concerned about making money, climbing the corporate ladder, than about seeking the Lord. Then we move on to verse 12. It shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with candles and punish the men that are settled on their lees that say in their heart, The Lord will not do good, neither will he do evil. Search Jerusalem with candles. In other words... The Lord's going to take a flashlight and going to look for anyone who's hiding in the dark. And God says, I intend to search out Jerusalem just like that. I'm going to bring to light all the evil and the sin. 
Then he goes on, punish the men that are settled on their lees. These are people who are taking it easy. They don't believe they're going to be judged any more than people today believe that we're going to be judged. Now, settled in their lees refers to a step in winemaking that was used in Zephaniah's day. Once a new wine was poured into containers, winemakers would allow it to settle the dregs, and then they'd pour it, in, pour it in, into another jug or a vessel, and uh, leaving the dregs behind. And if the winemaker poured the wine from the vessel from vessel to vessel too soon, the lees, which are the dregs, another word for the dregs, would still be floating in the wine. And if you waited too long, the wine would take on the taste of the of, of the dregs or the lees. The very exacting process. And this was repeated until the wine was crystal clear. With that in mind, you know, the Lord's saying, I'm going to punish you who are settled on, on, on your lees. Not only were the people of Zephaniah's day too material, too sinful, and too vocational, they were too comfortable, sitting still in their barrels, unruffled, untouched, taking on a bad flavor, and were beginning to stink. And that's why God suddenly pours you out as well. You know, you ever notice your life is going along just fine until your boss says, you're fired, you're out of here. Your girlfriend comes along and says, pack sand. You know, and you start thinking, how can this be? I thought God loved me. Well, the fact is, God does love you. And he loves you so much, he won't allow you to get too comfortable or too settled. Because he knows when you do, your life's going to become clouded with these. And you'll lose the clarity you used to have. So things get shaken up as he pours you from one vessel to another. And you're left saying, oh, what's going on? I better seek the Lord. And then you wait upon him with renewed intensity. And then back back up to uh, our verse in Zephaniah, they say in their heart, the Lord will not do good, neither will he do evil. You know, God's doing nothing. God's not going to do anything about it. If you read Habakkuk, his question was, why don't you do something about the evil, Lord? And God told Habakkuk, I am doing something. And he was, when he was given a vision of what God was really doing, he cried out to God for mercy for the people. There are a lot of people today saying, I'll ignore God. He doesn't do good. He doesn't do evil. You know, he's, he's the divine watchmaker. He wound everything up and left, just went off and left it wind down. People are neutral about God. Now, that's the kind of thinking that led to the theology of, you know, 50, 60 years ago. If you're old enough, you remember it, the God is dead. You know, only a society like ours could have could produce that kind of theology because people in an affluent society say, we don't need God. And then they, because they, they think he doesn't do any good, he doesn't do evil. You know, he, he's not doing anything. They're greatly mistaken. Zephaniah is going to make that very clear to us. Therefore, their goods shall become a booty, and their houses a desolation. They shall also build houses, but not inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards, but not drink the wine thereof. You know, the goods which they took by plundering and pillaging and robbing are going to be taken away from them in the same way as they got them. And their houses a desolation. In other words, they're going to be ghost towns in Israel. 
They shall also build houses and not inhabit them, plant vineyards but not drink the wine. You know, God's law stated that when a man planted a vineyard, he didn't have to go to war until he ate the fruit of that vineyard. Another law said if a man got buried, he's to be excused from going to war for one year. You know, and a man built a house for his wife before he married her. And God's saying, you know, you're such great sinners, you're, you're going to plant vineyards, you're not going to drink any wine from them. You're not going to be able to take time off from going to war. There's not going to be time to take off when you get married because the enemy is going to come in like a flood. And then verse 14, the great day of the Lord is near. The great day of the Lord, as I'll remind you, is the time of the great tribulation. Now, after Josiah ruled, there was not ever another good king in Judah. Every one of them was bad. Jehoahaz, Jehoiakim, Jehoiachin, Zedekiah, they were all corrupt. The judgment is going to come down upon the nation, upon the people for their departure from God. And they're going to, but they're only going to experience a very small portion of what's in the future for the great day of the Lord. It is near and hasteth greatly, even the voice of the day of the Lord. The mighty man shall cry there bitterly. This is where the concept of the wailing wall would come into existence. And the wailing wall is going to be there until after the Great Tribulation because Israel is not going to know peace until the Prince of Peace comes and they acknowledge their Messiah. Verse 15. The day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. In the Hebrew, there's a play upon words in this verse that you don't, isn't evident in the English. Now, the Hebrew words for wasteness and desolation, Shoah and Umeshoah, sound alike to convey the monotony of the destruction. Now, in English, we have an, an alliteration that reveals something. It would go like this. It's a day of trouble, then distress, then desolation, then darkness, and thick darkness. You know, there's a play upon words even in the English. He's speaking here of the harshness and intensity of the judgments coming. And you may have a question, you know, it will come up. How can a God of love do something like this? But even though the great day of wrath is a judgment of God, it has in it the love of God. Regardless of what takes place, God is love. It's like the farmer with a weather vane that said on it, God is love. And the farmer explained it by saying, regardless of which way the wind blows, God is love. Even in judgment, God is still a God of love. And he judges because it is essential for him to judge that which is evil. He does that because he has to be true to himself and he could not be good to his creatures unless he did it. If God is going to permit sin throughout eternity, if God does not intend to judge sin, if you and I are going to have to wrestle with disease and heartbreak and disappointment and sorrow throughout eternity, I can't conceive that he's a God of love. But when you tell me he's going to judge sin, God is coming with a mighty judgment, and God is going to remove sin from his universe, now, I'm going to say hallelujah, and I will 
believe he's a God of love even when he does that. Verse 16, a day of the trumpet and the alarm against the fenced cities and against the high towers. When God gave to the nation Israel the trumpets that they were to blow on the, on the wilderness march, there were several ways in which they were to be used. Then he mentions the number of ways the two silver trumpets were to be used. And then he says, in, the Lord says in Numbers chapter 10 verse 9, And if you go to war in your land against the enemy that oppresses you, you shall blow an alarm with the trumpets, and you shall be remembered before the Lord your God, and you shall be saved from your enemies. And what Zephaniah says, this is a day of the trumpet. They're going to blow the alarm. God's not going to deliver them. It's not his intent, because he intends to judge them. He will deliver them over to the enemy, not deliver them from the enemy. A day of the trumpet and alarm against the fenced cities and against the high towers. Now notice that fenced cities. You know, you, there's words you, you they, they, words and phrases in the, in the minor prophets that you're going to read. And you're going to, you know, well, fenced cities, you know, they had city walls back then. Well, it has application today, too, because if you know what's happening in Israel, you know that Israel has fenced off a great deal of the, of what's called the Palestinian territories to cut down on terrorism. Those cities are, are fenced. In Ezekiel, it talks about uh, Gog and Magog coming against the, the, the unwalled cities. Talking about Israel today. And I will bring distress upon men, in verse 17, in Zephaniah, they shall walk like blind men, because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out as dust, and their flesh as the dung. You know, when the Babylonians finally breached the city walls, they searched the city carefully to find even all, they, to dig out the people who were hiding. Now, God's going to judge in an extreme way. He does extreme surgery, and he does it for the sake of the body politic. Verse 18. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy. For he shall make even a speedy riddance of all them that dwell in the land. Did you ever notice the United States has spent trillions of dollars throughout the world? trying to buy friends, trying to win friends, trying to influence people. Yet, we're hated throughout the world. We're not loved. You can't buy love. You can't win people over with silver and gold. In this country, though, we still believe money solves all all of our ills. You know, money's the answer to all of our problems. But God says when he begins to judge, neither their silver nor the their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. Let me tell you a little something about our nation's government. Uh, I remember reading a newspaper article. The headline went like this. The atomic bomb is no tax shelter. It went on to talk about the IRS. If you think nuclear warfare will keep you from having to pay taxes, think again. In the event of an emergency, such as a nuclear attack, the Internal Revenue Service will continue to collect taxes. That's what the IRS says. 
you know, the employee manual for the IRS acknowledges tax collection is going to initially suffer during if something like that happens. But their post-bomb plan is such that within 30 days, the agency would expect to resume collection of taxes. According to their manual, many workers will be reassigned regardless of and without any effect on the current position or grades of the employee. You know, the premise that collections of delinquent accounts would be most adversely affected, if not impossible, in a disaster area, service shall concentrate on those areas where people are still living. That's government bureaucracy at its best. Now, the day of the Lord is, you know, it's going to be coming, but the IRS thinks even that's not going to stop them. The whole land shall be devoured by the fire of fire of his jealousy, for he shall make even a speedy riddance of all them that dwell in the land. And he did that. He got them out of the land. Why? Because he loved them. If he hadn't done it, it would have been necessary to totally exterminate succeeding generations. For the sake of the future generations, so that not all would have to be killed, God had to move in and cut away the cancer of sin that was destroying the nation. I want to give you a little word picture. Little girl, three years old, lying in bed in the night. She opened her eyes to find the face of a man peering down at her. So she screamed out in fright. The man quickly shuffled out of the room. Hearing her daughter scream, her mother ran into her room and held her tightly. Meanwhile, she could hear the man's voice talking to an accomplice on the telephone. He quickly reappeared, snatched the girl out of her mother's arms, ran down the stairs and into a waiting car, with the little girl screaming as the car, car sped through town to a large building. She was carried up to the fourth floor, placed on a bed, and given a shot of a powerful drug. Just before she passed out, this little girl looked into the face of another stranger, seconds before he took out a knife and ripped into her stomach. Now, what do you think about something like that were to happen? You'd probably say, you know, these people need the death penalty. But not so quick. The man who tore suit this little girl away from her mother is her father. You know, his daughter had been groaning all night. He, he made a call to a doctor. The doctor said, bring her in immediately. The building she's taken to was a hospital. The drug was an anesthetic, the knife was a scalpel, and the girl was saved. But from this little girl's three-year-old perspective, the events of the evening were, you know, pretty terrifying. And when people read Zephaniah and Revelation, when they read about the day of the Lord and the wrath of the Lamb, they ask, you know, how could God, how could God be so brutal? brutal? How could a loving God do all those terrible, terrible things? But the thing about it is, people who say that, they have a three-year-old perspective. Because in reality, it's a loving father who will devour the land by the fire of his jealousy. You see, God's not jealous because he's angry with you. He's not mad at this world. He's not jealous of you. He's not off in the corner saying, you hurt my feelings, I'm going to get even with you. No, he's jealous for you. 
knowing that the world you live in is groaning in the middle of the night and it's in need of radical surgery. Therefore, not only prophetically, but presently, when things are falling apart and coming down all around you, remember, your father is jealous for you. He sees that although you might think it's painful and cruel, your situation is necessary to make you into the man or woman he knows that you want to be. It's not an easy process. Surgery never is. But sometimes it's, it's imperative. And you begin to wonder if you really trust. Can I really trust this one who bears this knife? And if you begin to worry about that, all right, can you trust him? Can you trust the Lord? Look at his hand. You're going to see a hole where a nail pierced it. And the nail print is in the hand of your master. And he says, from before the foundation of the world, I loved you enough to die for you, to go to hell for you, to pay the price for your sins. And if I loved you that much, can't you trust what I'm doing now? You know, the day of the Lord is a difficult, dark day. But it's absolutely necessary to prepare us for the coming of the kingdom, for the coming of the light, the coming of the sun. Day of trouble in your own life, it's not easy. But trust him, because he's worthy. He knows exactly what he's doing. This is the perfect puzzle. Thank you.